la 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 We made it. Uh, we made it. And you don't need warming up. And welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. Um, my name is not Dave Pickering. Um, my name is Keith Jarrett. And I am a guest host because this is an extra special Stand Up Tragedy when Dave Pickering takes his Mondays off and, and he entrusts um, this really wonderful show into the hands of some rather dubious people. Um, at this time, it's me. And I have some absolutely tremendous guests for you. Um, we have the. Um, how that um that um <laughs> we have the fabulously fail safe um fraught with much tragedy uh Faye Roberts um we also have can we have a massive work for Faye Roberts um we also have we have the tragic ne'er do well of Nick Field. <laughs> We have the jewel of all that is tragic, James Mackay. And we have the rip-roaringly uh, tragic, um, Rachel Mars. And finally, we have the mysterious uh, Mr. Meredith, who will be coming um, towards the um, end because uh, he has a cabaret show on. So I basically invited a bunch of people some of whom I know really well um, and really love and think that they um, well I know that they're just gonna you're in a safe pair of hands and also some people that I'd like to know more of um, who are also really <laughs> good people um, <laughs> um, and it's going to be a f it's going to be it's gonna be a, a I, I asked them to like interpret um, tragedy however they would like to and these they, they all come from different disciplines we have some like spoken word poets um, we may have some comedy we might have a bit of camp humor whatever I am going to just leave that in the safe but tragic hands um, of, of all the guests um, and I, I kind of just need to just check that y you're you're able to clap and and um, yeah and you're able to whoop a bit and maybe even stamp a bit at the same time. Okay, so not only do we have performers who need appeasing, um, but we also have apparently a, a, a phantom, a, a ghost, um, who, who resides here some of the time at least. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I'm, I'm just going to very quickly give you a, a very short 20-second um, um, tragic um, poem. Of my, which kind of like sums up um, my last relationship. <laughs> B-sides. Mother says the devil has all the good music. So when we met, I knew you had to be on the side of the angels. Brilliant. So, <laughs> all right, without further ado, can we give a massive, massive round of applause to Faye Roberts? Hello. Um, should I keep wearing this just to hide this? Or should I? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's going on there? Um, hmm. So many people have asked. It's been very exciting. And, and yeah, it's a nice shiner, isn't it? So it's, it's a good one. Must be a good story. Everyone, everyone wants the story. 
They're hoping for brawls or something bawdy, James, or gory. You wouldn't believe what he suggested to me might have been the uh, cause of this particular um, piece of beauty here. Um, yeah, so they want something like, oh, you should see the other one, mate. Chinned him and nicked his gun. Or you should see her. Brought her to her knees, sir. Not really. But I've got some lovely lumps from history. Listen. Seven years old, bold beyond my abilities, I flit around corners finding the slipperiest of patches and naturally hurtle into a skin-splitting skid of epic proportions, torn flesh revealing the bone beneath for the second time that week. Nine, and I'm convinced I'm dying. A climbing genius, and gone and put my faith in the wrong branch, not even able to gasp, I am flat on sun-baked grass, only able to breathe out. The crawl to expire by my mother's bedside, a trek of unimaginable length. She peered at me in the event and said, yeah, you've just winded yourself. <laughs> Fast forward a few more. 14 and an abortive high jump fucks my leg for months. 24, the time I headbutted a wheelie bin on the way to Pride and was lucky not to lose an eye. Um, 26, an ambitious bus dismount leaves me with a busted right wrist that still won't write right. Right. 31, that blind corner with lazy cars, a wall, the rover, my motorbike, a split second stretched to a permanently numb leg and a shoulder loose as a fool's money. 33. That time I fell prey to an otherwise neutral tumour that grew so big I was caesareaned to birth it. I'm not sure if that one counts. This? By comparison, not so big, but you can almost hear them thinking on the street, where's her shame? Why won't she cover up? But arnica gel, you know, that stuff that's good for bruises, doesn't sit well under makeup, and I'd rather cure than obscure. Turns out, thank you, according to medics, I'm congenitally clumsy, over-elasticated, true, bruising <laughs> easily, but bouncing mostly, though slower these days. The worst scars are the ones the poets bear, invisible as wires, bruises swelling out of sight. This mark you see, not the only one that blights my current nights. Without support, I wobble doesn't everyone? And as two of my props drop across my path, I stand to fall limp as dipped biscuits, brittle as a sudden freeze. Please don't leave me. But one says, stand. And I can't, not yet. I've need for regrets to forget pleasantries and presently maybe I'll find a way out of this maze. The other says, juggle. And I'm struggling, see, because I have hypermobility. Asking me to spin balls calls for an epic wedge of energy. For fuck's sake, I fall when walking normally. But this is tricky, I know. As cryptic honour cripples my tongue, and I am only one of hundreds walking any given street with the marks of others' pain etched in flesh that you can't see. Breathe. Just breathe. You are right, love. Um, I'm fine. <laughs> Just leave me be. Let me lever myself to stand and go another round with gravity. And I've examined myself, medicated where I can, and apart from this black eye, this battered knee, last week's shin splints, Arthur's seat's really high, by the way. Um, yeah, a colourful elbow, a hipster bruise where I fell on my pocket watch. <laughs> 
I mean, who gets this kind of injury this century? <laughs> I reckon I'll survive, given time and better balancing skills. Thanks. Do you like another one? Okay, cool. Right. This one wasn't written an hour and a half ago like that one. This one is uh, a little older. And uh, but it took me a long time to write. I usually come. I usually write at the end of the process. Other people write to get the the thing out, but I kind of it all turns up in a rush. But this one didn't. I had the first sort of two thirds of it, and I didn't really have the ovaries to get it over and done with and actually finish it and I wrote a parody version and all sorts of things and then I'm at a gig that I've travelled to and this person gets up and says something so chauvinistic wow that I think right this poem's getting finished fuck it this is on and um, people are, are, are talking to me and they haven't seen me for months and I'm like I can't stop writing a poem and it's all happening on the back of beer mats and scribble bits of paper and it was frankly fucking rough but it got finished and then it got slightly polished and this is it it's called dedication this is for those who chose to suppose that because my clothes weren't hard enough my hair not sharp enough I wasn't worth knowing this is for them with it etched on, indelible, yelling so that everyone can tell, giving the unmarked hell. This is for the ones with the sneers and the hair raised short above the ears and the jeers and the what are you doing here's. This is for queers. This is for the ones with it written wide and bright. I love women, but only those that look like guys. Forcing a younger me to flatten my lines, narrow my eyes, right? Flee femininity and push up bras and skulk in bars with boys who like boys. And lots of noise, poised and pouting, pushing me into the path of gay girls scared of my hair and straight girls scared of my stare. The latter with their eyes on the noisy boys, watching them grind, mind tight around notions of conversion, shunning my perversion. This is for two friends. Patience and time, and others too real to name. The boys who like boys but not too much noise and who love me but not as their pet, letting me sob on their sofa or skipping me down the street. The entreaties of friends who mattered, therefore didn't mind the profile of putative partners, only that they were kind. And this is for those women who looked beyond my stare and saw me brimming with a need to care, bare to the bone, almost poisoned with the importance of it all, and who let me fall, submerge, and be buoyed up in their arms, and yes, there was harm, but softened in those waters, I came to this shape. No, wait, and okay, enthusiastic, but no. Um, <laughs> I came to this shape, and okay, I still can't play pool, in joke, and I look crap in plaid, but I'm glad to be stood here, happily between two worlds, dressed only in my own colours. Thank you very much, have a wonderful night. Can we have more applause for the fabulous, fabulous, fabulous poetry of Faye Roberts? Um, I believe that Faye has to rush off to um, take part in the BBC, um, the BBC, uh, yeah, their poetry, yeah, she's going to the BBC, um, <laughs> um, enjoy it there, um, so she's taking part in the, in the, in the poetry slam, um, in the heat.
Oh, of course, yes. Well, being being the Carol Vorderman of the um, of the fringe, and I believe you have uh, you have these poetry pamphlets which are floating about. So please find Faye, ask her about it, or find her on Twitter. Do you have a Twitter? Or okay, at Faye Roberts, just one e, one e. Okay, have we got one e? That is all we need. Um, now, that's an E for excitement. Um, and, and now, I, I think we, we have the excitement going and the anticipation. And I'm not going to talk for very much longer because we have now um, someone who is going to amaze you. Um, and his name is Nick Field. Can we have a massive round of applause? Hey, how are you doing? Good. Oh, okay, microphone. Okay, there we go. Hi. So, um, I thought that I would read you the first poem I ever wrote. Um, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll remember it. <laughs> um, it's totally ingrained in my memory and indeed my muscles, and it's not. So, I'm going to read it off my phone for you. Um, and we're going to, yeah, Jeet. I'm going to take you on an emotional journey. Um, it's called, uh, I Lost My Heart in Downtown Harajuku. I lost my heart in downtown Harajuku. The smell of neon-soaked spiced air. The click of outrageous heels. A chaos hinged on respectful distance. A green octopus on a hook. I lost my heart in downtown Harajuku. And... I lost my money belt too. <laughs> my credit card, my backup traveler's checks, and my passport, all gone. Gone with a panic like no other. Everything gone in Tokyo, so alien, the sky is red. I'm a traveler, faced with the end of the road and here of all places. Kids dressed like manga, dressed the same. An old lady in blue kimono, a bleached blonde boy with a painted white face. This is the beginning, a trip beyond imagining, a dreamed adventure. It can't end here. I panic some more, start to scan the packed, relentless streets. With broken English, a woman approaches effortlessly kind, and I try to explain in English more broken still. Everything's gone, everything is gone. But I came here to be lost. A search is arranged. Strangers jump to help. My money belt is found. Returned with joyful applause and bows of misplaced apology. I cry. I actually cry. I found real soul in downtown Harajuku. Your smile took me back, dreaming of Japan still. How you learnt Western ways but forgot sometimes not to bow. And how you looked at me with momentary quizzical eyes, a minute culture shock. How you became obsessed by tweed but were over it just as fast. How you cooked me noodles. I lost my heart in downtown Harajuku. But now, I've lost you too. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so uh, dating hasn't got much better for me since then. Uh, I, I've currently been dating for a while now. Well, actually, I've stopped dating because people are fucking awful. But um, the, the most recent date I kind of went on that went horribly, horribly wrong was uh, it was um, a well-known dating app date. And you know, you do that thing, grinder. You know that you do that thing where you kind of pretend that it's going to be an actual date. Um, uh, but this time I was like, no, no, I actually do like to meet people first. <laughs> Let's meet in a bar. Um, and so, um, so I rocked up, and the first, I'm actually not getting, the first thing he did was showed me a picture of a Ferrari on his car and said, uh, Daddy's going to buy this for me soon. <laughs> and I was like, I feel this isn't going to go well, but we're here. Um, and so um, we end up, I think we end up having a pizza and things just got progressively worse and worse and worse until I was like, I have to get away from you. Uh, and I couldn't really think. Of, so what I said was, um, I'm a really bad diabetic. I've got terrible diabetes <laughs> and um, I have to go and inject myself with insulin in the toilets right now or I'm going to go into a coma. <laughs> And then, and what he said was, can I catch diabetes? <laughs> um, at which point I was like, nope, see ya, bye. So, um, so that, was, that was the last date I ever went on. Um, but um, I, I realized that like, uh, tragedy is not far away. I had, a, I had a kind of tragic childhood. I never won a Blue Peter badge for starters. Yeah, I know, and I really tried. Um, and I also, I um, really, really wanted to go on Jim Will Fix It. <laughs> and I wrote so many letters because... <laughs> <laughs> because I really wanted to meet K9 from Doctor Who. I mean, I really wanted to meet K9 from Doctor Who, but it didn't work out, which is maybe for the best. And the other thing, the other thing that I uh, was really obsessed with was um, record breakers. And this might be an audience divider. Do people, how many people here remember record breakers? Okay, how many people don't? Good, I don't know, yes, good. No young people in the audience, thank God for that. Um, so I was really obsessed with uh, record breakers and I kind of felt like breaking a record was something that you kind of said, I'm here. Hey, humanity, I'm gonna leave my stamp. Um, but yeah, I've never really been able to think of anything to uh, break records for. So I thought tonight, let's reclaim that moment with you all here. Um, and I wanted to see if we could break a record for not breaking records. Um, so maybe in like about three minutes, how many records we can't break. Um, so the first one, uh, the, the thing that really stands in my, sticks in my memory from record breakers is that there was this guy who had the longest nails of all time ever and they kind of like went to do you remember really horrific so i thought we'd try and break that one first um so i don't know if there's anyone got a ruler or that can measure my nails and we can see if i can break that record in two minutes let's just see i've no okay perhaps like can you just do a finger thing so, so just maybe measure measure it with your fingers 
Yeah, okay, so... So let's see if we can break that record in two minutes. Um, the other one that I read about that I thought would be really good was this guy, this guy in China who did not care about his capillaries. He sat in a big ice mound for, two, for 45 minutes. Um, but so what I thought we would do to kind of like, let's see if we can beat that. Um, I'm going to see, would anyone volunteer to put their finger in some icy cold water? And let's see if we can do that. I've got icy cold water. Who's going to put their finger in it? May amazing. Okay. Let's see how long. Can you time, time how long you've got? Okay. Brilliant. Um, the other one, um, somebody... Um, get my other prop. The other one is that somebody ate an onion in 1 minute 30. Does anybody want to try and break that record? How about an apple? How quickly can someone here eat an apple? Are you up for doing that one? Would you take... Oh my god! I forgot we needed an officiado or whatever they're called. An official, we needed an official person from, rec from record breakers. Um, could you be the officiado? By the power invested in me, you're an official record breaking like officiado. So um, do you feel that Woody here broke the record? Of the room. <laughs> Over the room, okay. Um, does anybody have a beard? Has anybody here got a beard? Okay, could you make, could you measure your beard? Because we'll see how long. Because the longest beard was um, was fourteen meters long. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if we can beat that. How long? Is anyone timing, by the way? How long have we got? Let we've got two more minutes. Okay, let me just. Okay, there was another one. Let me just have a little look. See, I think we're doing good at breaking records. We're doing it. Oh, uh, okay. Oh yeah. The one that I want us all to do together is I want to see how, uh, if we can do the fastest time for singing a Celine Dion song. So we're going to do um, the theme from um, Titanic, you know, near, far, wherever you are. So, um, but I think it's like the timing for that one would be near, boom, far, boom. But we're going to speed that up to about four or five times. So um, are you all in, you're all in with me. So let's see if we can beat that record. Okay, you ready? So I want you to like, near, far, wherever you are. Okay, one, two, three, four. Near, far, wherever you are, la, 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 la. We go on. Once more, open the door, and it uh, with your heart, and your heart will go on and on. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've been Nick Phil. We didn't break any records, so we broke the record. Thank you very much. Amazing, we've broken records. Wow, um, that was really tragic. <laughs> All right, now to take us in uh, in a poetic direction. Um, whoa, yeah, the lights have started again. So now to take us in a more uh, tragic poetic um, journey. Um, we have. Um, as I said before, the, the jewel of all that is tragic and poetic. We have James Mackay. Can we have a massive round of applause and some whoops and some hollers and a bit of stamping as well. Let's appease the ghost. So I'm, I, I came to this fringe two weeks ago as someone with a really cute idea to do a little show with Moomins in it, thinking maybe I'll pick up some Moomin fans. I salute you now as leader of the new religion, it turns out. There aren't just some Moomin fans. 
there are Moomin fans <laughs> that turn up 20 minutes early and sit. And uh, I got pulled up. I got pulled up today because it's called the boy with the Moomin tattoo, and my tattoo is in fact of Snufkin. And I had someone pull me up, go, "That's not a Moomin tattoo," and get really angry because I'd got like I got it wrong and didn't come to see it. So, in the interest of this. Um, I'm going to read to you from the sacred text itself, Moomin Valley in November. This is the most, this is the most depressing thing you will ever read or be ever, ever be given to read as an eight-year-old. No, really, no, you don't know what's coming. You don't know how sad this is. Um, if people got tissues, you know, you're going to need them. Chapter one, Snufkin. This is also dedicated, by the way, to the fact I'm quite sad, because at the end of this week, we're all going to have to pack up and go home, right? We're all going to have to leave. It's the last week. I know, so that's also about this. Early one morning in Moomin Valley, Snufkin woke up in his tent with the feeling that autumn had come and that it was time to break camp. Breaking camp in this way comes with a hop, skip, and a jump. All of a sudden, everything is different, and if you're going to move on, you're careful to make use of every single minute. You pull up your tent pegs and douse the fire quickly before anyone can stop you or start asking questions. You start running, pulling on your rucksack as you go, and finally you're on your way and suddenly quite calm, like a solitary tree with every single leaf completely still. Your camping site is an empty rectangle of bleached grass. Later in the morning, your friends wake up and say, He's gone away. Autumn's coming. Snufkin padded along calmly. The forest closed round him and it began to rain. The rain fell on his green hat and on his raincoat, which was also green. It pittered and pattered everywhere and the forest wrapped him in a gentle and exquisite loneliness. There were many valleys along the coast. The mountains rolled down to the sea in long stately curves to promontories and bays which cut deep into the wild country. In one of these valleys, a fillyjonk lived all by herself. Snufkin had met many fillyjonks in his time and knew that they had to do things in their own way and according to their own silly rules. But he was never so quiet as when he went past the house of a fillyjonk. The fence had straight and pointed posts and the gate was locked. The garden was quite empty. The clothesline had been taken in and the woodpile had gone. There was no hammock and no garden furniture. There was none of the charming disorder that generally surrounds a house in summer. No rake, no bucket, no left-behind hat, no saucer for the cat's milk. None of the other homely things that lie around waiting for the next day and make the house look welcoming and lived in. Philly Jonk knew that autumn had arrived and she shut herself up inside. Her house looked completely closed and deserted, but she was there, deep, deep inside, behind the high impenetrable walls and the dense fir trees that hid her windows. The quiet transition from autumn to winter is not a bad time at all. It's a time for protecting and securing things and for making sure you've got in as many supplies as you can. It's nice to gather together everything you possess as close to you as possible, to store up your warmth and your thoughts and burrow yourself into a deep hole inside, a core of safety where you can defend what is important and precious and your very own. Then the cold and the storms and the darkness can do their worst. They can grope their way up the walls looking for a way in, but they won't find one. Everything is shut and you sit inside, laughing in your warmth and your solitude, for you have had foresight. There are those who stay at home and those who go away, and it has always been so. Everyone can choose for himself, but he must choose while there is still time and never change his mind. 
Philly Jonk started to beat carpets at the back of her house. She put all she'd got into it with a measured frenzy, and everybody could hear that she loved beating carpets. Snufkin walked on, lit his pipe, and thought, they're waking up in Moomin Valley. Moomin Papa is winding up the clock and tapping the barometer. Moomin Mama is lighting the stove. Moomin Troll goes out onto the veranda and sees that my camping site is deserted. He looks in the letterbox down at the bridge, and it's empty too. I forgot my goodbye letter. I didn't have time. But all the letters I write are the same. I'll be back in April. Keep well. I'm going away, but I'll be back in the spring. Look after yourself. He knows, anyway. And Snufkin forgot all about Moomin Troll as easily as that. At dusk, he came to the long bay that lies in perpetual shadow between the mountains. Deep in the bay, some early lights were shining where a group of houses huddled together. No one was out in the rain. It was here that the Hemulan, Mimble and Gaffsy lived, and under every roof lived someone who had decided to stay put, people who wanted to stay indoors. Snufkin crept past their backyards, keeping in the shadows, and he was as quiet as he could be because he didn't want to talk to a soul big houses and little houses all very close to each other. Some were joined together and shared the same gutters and the same dustbins, looked in at each other's windows and smelt their food. The chimneys and high tables and the drain pipes and below the well-worn paths leading from door to door. Snufkin walked quickly and silently and thought, oh all you houses, how I hate you. It was almost dark now. The Hemulin's boat lay pulled up under the alders, and there was a grey tarpaulin covering it. A little higher up lay the mast, the oars, and the rudder. They were blackened and cracked by the passing of many a summer, but they had never been used. Snufkin shook himself and walked on. But Toft, curled up inside the Hemulin's boat, heard his steps and held his breath. The sound of Snufkin's footsteps got farther and farther away, and all was quiet again, and only the rain fell on the tarpaulin. The very last house stood all by itself under a dark green wall of fir trees, and here the wild country really began. Snufkin walked faster and faster, straight into the forest. Then the door of the last house opened a chink, and a very old voice cried, Where are you off to? I don't know, Snufkin replied. The door shut again, and Snufkin entered his forest with a hundred miles of silence ahead of him. Thank you. Moomins forever. Okay, I'm sure we were all moved by the Moomins. Um, moved to tears, possibly. I, I have some manky-looking tissue um, for anyone who would like to cry or laugh um, or blow their nose or do whatever you do with tissue. And... Uh, and for those of you who weren't moved, heartless bastards, um, then um, you, you, you will be because I think from this point on it, it goes darker. Um, and we have um, the amazing Rachel Mars and can we have a massive whoop? <laughs> and can we have a massive clap? <laughs> and now can we have a whoop clap at the same time? <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, let's welcome out to the stage Rachel Mars. <laughs> Um, hello, is everyone feeling sad? Yeah, yeah great. Um, always. Oh dear, sorry. Um, this is a story of two deaths, really. Uh, but um, I was thinking if it gets too sad, 
just look at that and imagine that I'm just farting massively <laughs> just billowing with gas um, so yeah it's uh, um, it's a story of two deaths and the first story ends uh, three different ways depending on who you ask uh, in my family if you ask my mum the story ends <sighs> Uh, if you ask my grandmother, or if you if you had asked her, uh, it would end. Oh, life's not easy. We lost so many people already. And if you ask my father, uh, it ends. Um, it was hilarious. <laughs> um, and that's why we don't discuss the story altogether as a family. Uh, the story uh, concerns the death of my uh, grandfather, who I never met. Um, because I was, uh, I think I was th like a three-month-old fetus when I was in um, my mum's belly uh, at his funeral. So I kind of was at his funeral, but uh, I didn't know I was. And um, my grandparents um, left Nazi Germany, uh, escaped uh, in August 1939, so just before the Second World War broke. So they left it really, yeah, a bit, but they made it. And they were on their way to America, and they ended up in Nottinghamshire. <laughs> um, and they decided to st stay because they were like, oh, too much um, and so I was so Jewish wasn't it <laughs> just can't fucking avoid it um, and uh, yeah so they stayed and uh, my grandfather became a farmer and my grandmother was a domestic servant um, and it was kind of going alright I think they'd be they were embraced by the people of the village and everyone was happy with them and um, then in about 1941 the first of these Red Cross letters started to arrive um, and they were the letters that said what had happened to their family so the first one came and it kind of says how they were killed and in what camp they ended up and um, they're, all, they're all kept in this uh, sort of spare room that they had uh, and then then the next one came and the next one they just kept coming all the way from 1941 to 1944 until it was obvious that basically everyone uh, who they'd left in Germany was dead. Um, and so my grandmother called a meeting with my grandfather um, and basically said, I've been thinking about it and I think we should kill ourselves um, because, yeah, I just don't fancy this now. Um, and they sat down and they talked it through. And um, my grandfather said they shouldn't, they should live, and they had this kind of discussion. And basically, my grandfather won, and they kind of didn't talk about it anymore, and that was the end of that. And um, they kind of continued their life in, in the village. My grandfather uh, started a dance band, and he used to play uh, Happy Days Are Here Again. Uh, although my grandfather preferred um, wheels, do you know, not the wheels on the bus. <laughs> exactly we'll be using that later so keep it in mind um and it kind of it went it was going pretty well they had my mum then my mum had my brother and then she was pregnant with me and then all of a sudden uh my grandfather died he went for a first hip replacement and it went brilliantly so i went back and had the second one not so brilliantly um and at this the story that ends three different ways is is about his funeral um in judaism you kind of gather together, it happens quite quickly, uh, and you gather together at the prayer hall. So all the people from the village came for what would there be, their kind of first Jewish funeral. And um, you have prayers first in this prayer hall, and then you follow, uh, I think it's like that in other religions, you follow the coffin down to the graveside. And all the, the grave diggers wear like top hat and tails, and then wellies, which I always think is an odd look. So they were following these kind of smart but practical men uh, <laughs> down to the graveside. And the coffin, everyone gathers around, the coffin got lowered into the grave. Uh, and it became obvious that the hole in the ground was too small. Uh, 
so there was a bit of a panic um, and the guys at the back uh, they kind of lifted their ropes up to try and slip him in sort of that way but that didn't work so then the guys at the front lifted their ropes up to kind of push him in that way and that didn't work either so basically what it meant is the coffin was kind of teetering on this central point uh, under quite a lot of pressure uh, and eventually what happened is the lid of the coffin started to pop open um, and so then uh, everyone panicked uh, but the rabbi had this great idea and he jumped on top of the coffin <laughs> And he jumped up and down on it, up and down on it, until it got to the bottom of the grave. Um, and then he was hauled out. Uh, at which point, um, my dad uh, just caught sight of this cousin and started pissing himself laughing. Because uh, he was imagining that this is what these Christians think happens at a Jewish funeral. Um, so yeah so this is the story and it got told a lot of times uh although i tend not to tell it in front of my grandma because it kind of upset her um so i never met this grandfather but my idea of death is that it ends with this fantastic story uh but my grandmother and i we were kind of quite good mates because um yeah i was kind of born just after this loss so we became kind of good friends and she was this tiny smaller than me like four foot sort of nine stout german woman who never lost her accent at all um and she never lost her curiosity never lost her sense of humor and um, she she phoned my mom once and said darling uh, what is a blow job uh and my mum explained and she said oh but you don't blow <laughs> Uh, she didn't lose her sense of justice either. She used to say, Rachel, are people being nice to you? And I'd say, yes, they are. Good, because if they're not, I'll bash them. <laughs> and tell them that I said you could bash them. Uh, so she was quite full on. Uh, and I, I kind of realized at about six that I was kind of prepping for her death. And I imagined at about 10, I was like, oh, it's all right, because in the year 2000, I will be 20 and uh, I'll be an adult and I'll be able to cope with her death. I don't know what, I just decided that there'd be this kind of tip into adulthood and dealing with grief. I didn't realize that we're all children just in bigger bodies. Um, and uh, I kind of, she lived on her own until she was in her mid 90s. And then she started to get the first of these urinary tract infections. And it's not very sexy to talk about. Um, but uh, when you're old and you get UTIs, you get delirious. Has anyone else had this experience? It's extraordinary what happened. So um, doctors call it cloud picking. That's how it starts, where people are kind of, they see stuff. You see these wards of old people kind of picking stuff. It's like, sounds quite poetic, but it's actually a bit horrendous. Um, so that, that began happening. And she'd go into these kind of delirious, uh, yeah, imaginings. And I didn't know at that point, I hadn't sought any advice about what, the, what you should do. Uh, apparently what you should do is neither confirm nor uh, deny I didn't know that uh, so I uh, entered into it I was I was at the Women's Institute with her it was great we had a lovely time no one was there it's just me and her uh, and then when she was in hospital towards the uh, the end of that particular bout she sort of got very agitated and I think the kind of Nazi Germany stuff was coming back to her um, and she said we have to pack we have, we have to pack and I was like well, I was on my own with her I didn't know what to do so I thought alright so I just started miming Is, th is this good? And I was getting it wrong. I was packing the wrong stuff. She was like, no, not, why, why don't you listen to me? Not that, we won't need that. So it just went on for ages. So apparently neither confirm nor deny. You should just go, it's all right. We're just, me and you, we're here. Um, so this was, So she beat death that time at 92. And then she beat death again at 95. She'd already beaten death in a way in like 1939. So two, and then again in, when she was 95. Um, and she said to my dad, oh, Rachel says I've got to stay uh, here until I'm 100 years old. But if it's like this, I just don't fancy it. <laughs> um, 
so she was yeah she was quite and, and she was so like she got really deaf because each time she'd be hit with massive antibiotics and um, she got very deaf and she didn't like in the ear kind of thing so she wore these headphones with a mic so all the nurses was like wow your grandma's listening to hip hop um, so she was quite cool um, and then uh, so she beat death again but each time she'd come back a bit slower and she ended up not living on her own anymore and she'd uh, she just lives with my parents and I'd kind of go around and we played solitaire and I'd do kind of bathing duty and we'd sing nice um, and we kind of run this pretense that she was going to go home because at that point it was like yeah fine you're just here for a bit you've been here for two years but if you think it's just two weeks it's fine um, and then in the October last year, um, she got delirium again. And there was a general sense that we weren't going to make it out this time. And perhaps we shouldn't. She was 97, almost 98. Um, and so she was in hospital in Hammersmith. And I kind of get this anxiety and make these panic trips uh, by cab from Archway to the hospital and just kind of wait with her. And then nothing would happen. So I'd come home. Um, and she got a classic hospital acquired... Uh, pneumonia which is you know lungs kind of not working again um and um and then basically we we called it and we the doctors called it and they got it right and we gathered around we did this prayer service for her and um and then we got the classic three in the morning this kind of phone call um that she had gone and apparently i didn't realize because i really thought i told myself i'm gonna want to be there when it happens but a friend of mine was i just i just got the sense that i shouldn't be there and um so i i wasn't and a friend of mine said no that's actually apparently that happens like people who knows we make all this shit up to make ourselves feel better but um maybe the person that you're closest to needs to leave for the other person to go so that it felt like the right thing to do um and there's lots of things that i didn't know about grief i stank like grief sweat do you know that happens shit really smelly um and i just wanted to fuck everything so that was the other thing that happened um and then we had the funeral which was like a good non-notable funeral and i was waiting for the story no just like a good non-notable kind of funeral and um yeah it just made me realize i think that aside perhaps from her being a kind of the death of some kind of figure from history like some deaths are just deaths and they don't you don't get a story out of them that then is told for generations you just get a, an absence um so that that's <laughs> the way to end um here is a, a poem about her for the end and it will be it in the hours after her grandmother's death it was damn lucky that she didn't fuck men or at least hadn't for some years and didn't have one to hand New to loss, she'd expected wailing, snot, shock, and the whole world's end. Not footballers' sweat and a raging horn to shag, shag, shag for babies. A third of all children are conceived in tangled, tear-cling sheets, if you believe obstetricians quarterly. <laughs> and you can spot a grief kid by her watery blood and granular liver, like she's been drinking earth, if you believe the Chinese doctor on the corner. This time, the world that didn't end was saved another child like that. Grappling urges soon replaced with lighter touches, a repeated thumb swipe to text the news again and again and again. Cheers. Keep applauding, keep applauding, keep applauding, keep applauding, keep applauding. All right, you have been um, amazing. Um, you've been an amazing audience and we have one act to go and before I introduce the last act I need to remind you that this is uh, PBH's free fringe which means it is free to come in 
but not to come out. Um, and so, and just think, you could have wasted um, five, ten, fifteen, up to. Tw I saw like there's some shows that are like twenty quid now, which is anyway. But you could have you, you could have spent all of that money seeing something that you wouldn't have enjoyed as much, something not as um, as 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 mind fulfilling um, and as tragic as as this night has been. Um, so bear that in mind as you walk out that's all I will say on the matter um, but uh, I need to remind you how to um, be a good audience in, in, in the more sort of physical way again so can we have a massive clap and can we have a massive whoop and can we have a massive stomp okay can we try let's see if we can do all three of those together all right are we ready one two three Brilliant. Okay, so what I'd like you to do is keep that applause going, keep um, keep all of that going as we introduce our final, final, final act of the night. Um, I'm really excited to hear him, um, Mr. Meredith. Did you see that awkward? Didn't know whether to kiss or not. You know, yeah, I get, I get it all the time. I think it's because they see this here. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I just want to try. I mean, this is the first time I've done this now. I didn't, wasn't sure what to expect, but I did start thinking about tragedy and death, and uh, and of course the two aren't the same at all. Uh, I don't know if you know. In you know, a tragedy, really in Greek terms, it just means a big story. It means a, a, a big story about important people, and, and death as it can be fucking hilarious sometimes. Um, I, I worked in a nursing home for a very long time and oh god the laughs we had yeah. <laughs> and I always remember this uh, you know people just get very funny when they get older you know uh, and, and it's, it's never dignitary it's always very prosaic really death when it comes I, I particularly remember this one couple of guys who used to be there uh, it was uh, John and Eddie and they were like inseparable and they used to like they go everywhere together. You have to if you wheeled one somewhere, the other one had to be wheeled right next to them. Uh, you know, we, we sort of thought, oh, are they lovers? We're not sure. You know, we had this whole thing going, but you know, but you know, there, there was just obviously none of that going on. And then it was awful because one of them just suddenly died during the night, and uh, we didn't know how, how to explain to John that Eddie had just gone, and someone like just took him aside and uh, said. Uh, you know, you know, Eddie's not going to be here again. Well, has he gone away? No, no, he's he's no, he's actually died. He says, oh, "All right, can I have his ice cream then?" <laughs> <laughs> it was just simple as that. <laughs> He'd got so used to it. Like you get more, and you saw that all the time. People just got so prosaic about death. So it's like tragedy. Really, is more like pff, just big stories of shit that happens. You know, like I mean, my love life is perhaps one of the things. Uh, that happens like that. I know you were talking about Grinder earlier. Mm, that's always fun. Yeah, Tinder as well. Uh, it's a lovely way to destroy your soul if you have a spare afternoon. Um, uh, so, but you know, and you have all you know. Those, we're attached to these phones now, which are external hard drives for our brain, aren't they? Uh, you can't lie anymore. Everything's there, and all the lies that you've told are there. So you have to try and remember what lies you told when you're on dates, and you're like going, "Oh no, God, catch it up, catch it up, catch it up." Uh, you know, we, we love our phones more than we love our partners. It, it's ridiculous now. And if you doubt that for a minute, when was the last time you went like this? Okay, where's my boyfriend? Where's my boyfriend? Where, where is he? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, everyone look for my boyfriend. Everyone look for my boyfriend. Okay. No, 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 mine's the older white model. No. Uh, no, 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 no. I was there in the bathroom. <laughs> I left him. 
So I, I, I sort of get this quite a lot now. And uh, and uh, the thing with t- you're, you're swiping, always looking for the better person. You see that a lot. So I, I'm going to sing you a little song. Uh, I read it. I'm going to just plug that in there. And uh, th- this has happened on a date that I went to. Uh, it was a little bit, little bit like you. Yeah. Actually, he looked nothing like you. No, yes, yes. He looked nothing like you. You just have to. Oh, hello. There we go. Oh, and up again. There we go. I feel a connection with you. I feel that you're feeling it too. There's something big between us. It's coming. It's my present from Venus. <laughs> Why are you looking down there, my dear? When it's perfectly obvious I'm here, right here. What is it you're hoping will catch your eye? At least he was honest with his reply. <clears throat> better people, better people. I thought that just for the moment you'd do what I'm looking for. Better people, at least someone better than you. We still ended up at his flat. Me and him and his big bozzite cat. It was cushy, I felt pushy. So I stroked his hairy fat one-eyed pussy and I thought, oh hello, as I felt a vibration below. He reached in his trousers and pulled out his phone, still vibrating and said, in a sorrowful tone, Oh look, better people, better people Oh, I thought that just for the moment you'd do But look, here's a message from better people At least someone better than you The buzz on the table, the telephone ring The message on Facebook, the text that goes bing Hotmail and Gmail, they're all so much fuss Thank God no one bothers to check Google Plus No one's committed I do it too, I admit it Looking for someone better Surely they'll make me better So next time I'm with someone who's trying to see If better people are out there They'll find me So at least I knew how he felt And I pondered this as he knelt He was smiling and it struck me He's finally going to see me his lucky joy And then clutching my thighs (laughs) He must have looked into my eyes But my vision was fixed On the ceiling above He said What are you thinking about my love? Better people, better people Oh no, carry on, just for the moment you'll do But I'm thinking of better people At least someone better than you So ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to take this little moment To look at yourselves, look at the people you came with tonight And think to yourself, is that really the best I can do? 
the eBay alert, the Instagram post. Which app today are you checking the most? How many likes? Is it still cool to poke? Did I lose any followers with that last joke? And Tinder and Grinder, it's hard to keep score. Can anyone tell me what LinkedIn is for? Just forget it. You won't regret it. If you're better to that person sitting right there, just next to you, you can all be better. I've got some more? No, that's it, isn't it? We've, we've run out, haven't we? No, we've, we've run out of time. Oh, we've run out of time. Oh, thank you, I'm Mr. Meredith. You can see me in thrill-seeking penis. Would like to meet like-minded audience for NSA fun and good times at the Voodoo Rooms every day. Thank you. Okay, can we keep the applause going? Massive, massive applause. Wow, and this has been such an excellent, uh, varied night. And this mic is a bit precarious. There, that's better. Um, and um, I'm not farting. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you've been amazing, and this night has been amazing. And we have heard from Faye Roberts. Can we have a massive applause? And we have also heard from Nick Field. And we've heard from James Mackay. And we have heard from Rachel Mars. And we've heard from Mr. Meredith. And all of these have, um, have, have, not all of these have shows like funnily enough not not everyone has something to plug but they all have twitter and facebook and linkedin and things well maybe not linkedin um but but they all have things so please go and talk to them we need to kind of hurry up out of this place um because of unfortunate um and our war spirit um earlier on um and if you were here you, you you'll get that um but you've been amazing please remember free fringe not free fringe free fringe not free fringe um so please remember that and and make sure oh and i think um yep tomorrow i'm gonna be here for like getting be better acquainted um i'm also performing later on here uh jibber jabber um at 11 o'clock so again come and talk to me outside in a bar um and maybe i'll buy you a drink maybe you'll buy me a drink okay all right this has been amazing i've been keith jarrett and this has been stand up tragedy thank you very much <laughs>